Good question books give insight and perspective into God's Word. Uh, you know, help us understand God's Word better. Uh, bad books do the opposite then. Bad books contradict God's Word or sometimes just as bad, uh, they treat God's Word as really not enough. Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Good afternoon, Ben. How are you doing today? Doing pretty well. A little bit tired. It's towards the end of the week. But uh, but yeah, how about you? I've been doing pretty well. So have you been watching any baseball games this week? I have not. I don't really watch very much baseball at all until it gets to the playoffs. But uh, I've been keeping track. Yeah, what's funny is uh, when Danielle and I got married, you know, I was such a big sports fan in reality that uh, I made sure that we watched uh, a Cowboys game on our honeymoon in Mexico. But now, realistically, actually, <laughs> you're more likely to find me in a book or even an audio book than you will have me actually watching a sports game. I didn't even watch the whole Super Bowl this year, if I'm honest with myself. <laughs> But uh, but uh, I think that's a great kind of segue, less awkward than normal, to our topic today. We're going to be talking about reading today, and our kids reading and ourselves reading, and kind of a theology of reading. Uh, but I want to ask, were you a big reader growing up? I was not. I My parents would read to me uh, as I went to bed and that kind of thing. And so I didn't dislike books, and I like to learn. I just didn't like to read a lot myself. Uh, in the summer, I would do these. The the library would do these reading programs. You had to read so much time or fill in so many slots. I forget exactly how it worked, but at the end, you would get this prize. And so to help move me along, my stepmom, who was a teacher, would uh, have to incentivize me with trips to Dairy Queen if I read so much per week. And it worked, but that was uh, the main time when I read. Now, how about now? Are you much of a reader now? I do like to read a good bit now. I didn't really develop a desire and love to read until I was in college. And then it just something kind of sparked inside. And uh, I do like to read a good bit now. And and obviously you you spend time reading. Yeah. So Uh, I was not not watching sports. Yeah, <laughs> I I was not a big reader growing up either. Uh, I really barely read myself. Uh, I did like uh, it. Was funny is that as much as I avoided as much as possible, I I think I used a lot of the spark notes if you remember those <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for book reports. Uh, but I really loved this book called On the Road by Jack Kerouac, uh, and it, I you know. I probably made me more insufferable than I want to acknowledge, but that was like the only book. That in 1984 were kind of the two books that I really cared about. And all other than that, I wasn't much of a reader. Uh, but I picked up some books soon after I became a Christian. I kind of knew that Christians read, and, you know, 
the Bible's reading religion. Uh, and I, I started reading a lot more in college and really more and more each year. Uh, over the past, like, you know, probably I, I would guess the past 15 or 20 years, every year I've read more than the year before. Uh, so, you know, it's been kind of a progressive interest for me. Yeah, I think it's a it's a really good one to have. Um, feel free to edit this out if if you want. But that reminded me about the Spark Notes. Uh, I was sometimes guilty of not always reading the complete assignment. You know, say in English literature. Uh-oh. And so we were reading um, what was it? Uh, Dante's Inferno, in I think it was the tenth grade. And uh, I relied on my friend who, I mean, this guy was, was valedictorian, ended up going to Yale. I talked to him about what the story, that, that chapter or whatever the section was about. And he gave me what he understood, but then he went back later and reread it before class and uh, gained more understanding. But I didn't get the, the second round of um, interpretation and so he said it seemed like something they went down to the center of hell and then they they ended up going through satan's rear end and (laughs) ended up like on the other side of the world and so we had a quiz in class that day and um (laughs) Anyway, you know, we traded papers, and so this other friend of mine, he's raising his hand, and he's like asking, he's like, I've got to read this to the class, this is great. <laughs> so I was humiliated, and it was shown to everyone that I, you know, didn't read it myself. That's funny. So, nice. And that's not actually what happened in the story. That is not what happened in that story. So. <laughs> That's funny. I, I think, like, totally. Somebody at Sparknote should, like, if they're about to, like, retire, they should just start messing with the, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, you know, have, like, a big, like, uh, cops and robbers gun battle at the end of Great Gatsby or something like that. <laughs> <In this laughs> uh, and then Captain America showed up. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Now, does it matter how much Christians read beyond the Bible at all? Like, is this just kind of a non-issue, Ben? I mean, I think to say that it's absolutely necessary, you can't draw that. But I'd say it's definitely wise, it's helpful, it can be joyful, instructive, uh, relaxing. I mean, there's just a lot of benefits to be gained by reading. Obviously, reading the Bible, but reading outside the Bible. And I think those have been uh, shown by experience, by research, and... Yeah, I would commit it to people. Yeah. So, yeah, again, I, I would agree with you that it's not, like, necessarily, like, a sin issue, but I think it definitively is a wisdom issue here that, you know, it's good to read. Uh, and, and I think there's some truth to the statement that all truth is God's truth. I mean, sometimes people are using that for some dangerous things. Uh, so we really do worship him by learning and growing, and not even just from, you know, biblical literature, but, you know, you might be might worship him by understanding a caterpillar uh, by wor- by reading a, a book about caterpillars, I don't know. So I think book readers are often the best Bible readers, and that's that's something that is helpful to understand there too. They tend to go together uh, because sometimes the skill set is similar. Now, what makes Christian faith a uniquely literary faith? Well, our God has spoken, and He's caused His speech to be written down and preserved into a book, into a, you know a number of different writings that are combined together um, as the canon we have of Scripture. And so, we ought to give attention to how do we read, since God is a talking God. That's good. Yeah, 
I'll, I'll add to that is, uh, you know, I think that the greatest spiritual hypes have often been linked to reading uh, of God, you know, and beyond the Bible. Like, I think a lot of times, you know, there have been ways that God has used, you know, books like Don't Waste Your Life, you know, uh, a lot of really good things. So, uh, but also God's word uniquely utilizes many genres and styles, uh, and, and ways that, I mean, show, so clearly show that, you know, it's a literary. And the Bible's not like the Quran, for example, and that the Quran, you know, there is poetry there. But, you know, there's far more variety of genres and styles that really capture types of literature at the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, how is reading a biblical and theological issue? Or is this not at all a biblical and theological issue? It is. It- certainly is and we talk about how everything is and again it's tied to how god reveals himself to us he didn't have to reveal himself to us but he chose again in psalm 19 points this out that he's spoken to us revealed himself in nature we, we see his power and uh, we see that there is a god romans 1 highlights this uh, but then in special revelation god has there's things that we can't know unless we know how to read um or unless someone tells them to us in our culture reading is uh easily it's a a skill that is easily accessible and so it's one that we ought to give ourselves to um we're, we're shaped by the things that we read and we're also shaped by maybe how we don't read and so um i guess it's just a, a quick way i mean what else would you say about it yeah so i actually think that there's some biblical precedent for christians reading beyond even necessarily the bible and i think even like the example of the apostle paul uh, in some of his last words in Second Timothy four thirteen, he asks, uh, uh, he asks his friends, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with, uh, with Carpus at Trust, also the books, and above all the parchments. Uh, and you know, I know that there's some debate about this, but uh, it doesn't seem to necessarily be that you know the Pentateuch that he's getting uh, from this, but you know, instead, ba- you know, he basically wants to read, uh, read something to edify his faith. Uh, and then even like uh, you get these strange things in like First Kings, uh, and First Kings refers to uh, books that are beyond the Bible that clearly God's people were somewhat familiar with. Uh, it says, and the description of the death of Jeroboam. Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam, how we warred and how he reigned. Behold, they are written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel, and. That's not the Bible. We don't know. I mean, nobody knows uh, what that is, but it's books that aren't the Bible. That's not. That's not referring to First and Second Chronicles. Uh, but yeah, so it's. Uh, so I think those kind of things are, are little biblical ways that that kind of show that it is a good thing and it's a wise thing for God's people to be reading. Uh, and uh, the theology of Scripture, I think, is at stake as that issue because. Uh, when you think about reading uh, as as a theological issue, we can know that you know a high view of the Bible realizes that the Bible is literature. It's not a magical book. You know, you don't just take Bible verses out of context and have special powers. I, I, we've talked about the people that just kind of read random Bible verses collected together, uh, and that's not the right way. That's a wrong view of uh, of reading the Bible. But that actually, the right theology is going to partly come from having an awareness and how. You you read in general yes yeah well said now how can reading be part of our sanctification process ben well one our mind can be renewed um we can be 
enabled to see life, to see creation, to see relationships, to see money, caterpillars, whatever, to see that better, more clearly. And, you know, the effort that is given to that, it can help us to, to grow. I mean, that's effort that could have been used for something else. And it could have been worth something else that's worthwhile, but it may have been something that was not really worthwhile, that was not going to help us become more uh, sanctified in our experience. And so there's a, we can learn to love new things, cultivate a, a greater desire to read and to read things that are helpful for our souls and our minds. Um, like you said, the, the thing about uh, all truth is God's truth. And so just as we, we take in more about the world around us or God's word, uh, whatever it may be, uh, it can help us to know the Lord and to see his wisdom at work, um, to, to learn how to live well within his world. Yeah, that's good. I would add to that just some practical things. Uh, I mean, how practically we can do that is, you know, we, we can you can read a good book about an area that you're struggling with. Uh, that mm-hmm. is a great way that Christians have done. You know, if you were battling anxiety, um, there are some great books from biblical counselors about anxiety, for example. that That's a way that that's part of your sanctification process, as long as it's a book about the Bible, not a book about how you should imagine being on an island when you're struggling with anxiety, for example, uh, which is something that people actually do. So, but uh, and then uh, and then last, I'll just say, I think reading uh, as part of a sanctification process, it can help us really bask in God's grace. Uh, I think of some really great books that have done this. Uh, that uh, uh, a gospel primer for Christians is a great book that really helps us kind of bask in God's grace in the everyday, but also to see our sin in a way that sometimes. Uh, having that perspective of a Christian writer can can do. I mean, you think I mean, reading respectable sins by Jerry Bridges, it's hard not to come out of that more aware of your sin. Would you agree with that? Mm. Uh, I'm aware of his book. I've not read it, but I do like your suggestions in general. They're very practical and uh, helping you to zero in on an issue with someone who is well formed in the Word and can help you see it clearly using their giftedness. Oh, that's good. So. Now, how does reading beyond the Bible make us better Bible readers? And we've kind of alluded to this before, but I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on that. Well, you mentioned the thing about literary. Now, I can't say it the way uh, – I love the way D.A. Carson says it. D.A. Carson grew up speaking French, and it's a French word, and it's, he says it like Jean. I had something with the – don't do the R, but – uh, anyway, whatever those are, genre, uh, you, you learn how those work. I mean, a, a genealogy works different than a Dear John letter, uh, works different than Once Upon a Time, uh, there was a, a princess kind of story. And so you see how literature in general works, and then you can take those skills as you read the Bible. And so you're going to read different parts of the Bible differently. Um, Revelation, for instance, is going to read differently than uh the story of Ruth. Uh, they're just they're they're operating differently with different rules. You learn to follow an argument. Paul's letters and just the the New Testament letters in particular, um, and then some of the the teachings, discourse sections, you know, Jesus teaching. Um, you you have argumentation, and so depending what kind of book you may be reading, learning to track someone's argument over a sustained period that can be helpful. Just learning how to process that. Those are the two that that emerge um, 
to me most. Uh, I'm sure there's more that could be said. I mean, what would you add to that? Yeah, those are some good words. So I think some general things is that, you know, reading uh, more improves uh, comprehension. The I think that is just, I mean, a pretty clear thing that the more you read, the more you, you are able to comprehend what you read and able to really analyze it, uh, which I think deeply relates to your understanding of styles and context. I mean, not a Dear John letter being different from other things. So, But uh, <laughs> I, I think also I'll add that when we read beyond the Bible, we are often exposed to insight on biblical context that we didn't have. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and ways that I mean, I, I think that you look at, for example, the head covering stuff, the, the passages about that. And I think that there's some context that is helpful to be aware of. Uh, and if you're not aware of that, uh, you're just reading the Bible on its own. You might come to a different conclusion uh, in one area than you do in, a, in another way. So I, I think those holy are some, kisses. Yes, holy kisses. Yeah, those are some <laughs> helpful things to understand. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Now, how does uh, being a reader also bring greater discernment? Well, you learn more and you develop a finer-tuned grid through which you can evaluate ideas and evaluate the world. And so you um, may not be as susceptible to everything uh, that you're exposed to. Uh, you go, wait a minute now, I think I've read something about this or I've heard something about this. And even if you're, you don't have to be an expert on a topic, but you just have some some mental pegs to hang things on that you're receiving. Uh, and, and that's the way, you know, the, the more you know about the more topics, the more, you know, mental containers you have to, to be able to interpret what's coming at you. And so all of us are interpreting all the time what's coming at us. Um, and I just think of this past year and the amount of uh, information about you know with the election, with COVID, with um, the uh, racial uh, justice, injustice issues, and uh, there was lots of things that were false related to to those uh, issues. And so, learning to be discerning because you've read and taken in and and. By reading, I, I mean, I think you would agree, beyond just people's Facebook posts, um, you know. That's good, so. Probably not the best place to develop discernment. I think a really helpful thing can be that it also makes us more aware of our assumptions. And so we're more able to critique our assumptions when we read uh, that beyond just the Bible uh, and have discernment into that. And I think even when it comes to our theology, an example of that would be, you know, I was, uh, I, you know, I believe, and as was mentioned before by Larry Steen, I believe in predestination. And uh, that was something that, you know, I just didn't buy in. I didn't buy into the idea that Jesus died for the elect, for example. And, uh, and you know, and I had a lot of cultural assumptions in that and the idea of what freedom is. And I remember I read a really good book by Tom Schreiner, and I think that that his writing there, as kind of Christian writing, uh, really uh, revealed some of my assumptions and helped me critique those so that I could kind of 
try to come out with more of a more of a conclusion based upon scripture alone rather than based on my cultural assumptions. Uh, but I think mm. we also become more critical in a good way when we see more sides to the thing. Like you mentioned, you know, the social media stuff. Uh, when we read broadly, uh, that we're more able to evaluate the failure and the weaknesses uh, in our own camp, uh, as well as you know, see. You know, sometimes the weaknesses in those camps that that critique and attack us when we are more broadly read. Yeah, those are some good examples. Uh, now, how can if it's good to read? How can parents instill a value for reading in their kid? Should they just you know fill up their nurseries with uh, like some big uh, big things like Calvin's Institutes, put it uh, like have their kids sleep with it and hope that they absorb it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that that could be a nice decorative touch. Um, I, yeah, you read to them, read with them, encourage them to read. Uh, I think you even incentivize reading. Um, I mean, there's just so much that can be gained from it. And if you can cultivate that desire. And so, I mean, we have two kids in our home who can read. One is a much stronger reader. The other one is, you know, really just getting her feet under her with it. Um, but, you know, we have different things to incentivize that we homeschool um, at this point and um, just trying to reward that. And like I mentioned earlier, the Dairy Queen, the Trips Dairy Queen were helpful. And, um, some kids are just naturally drawn to it. But if you can find something to that they're interested in to help them, I mean, don't pick the driest topic. Just if, if you know, they like airplanes or sports or because uh, that actually came up the other night in our house. Um, some Something about, ba- oh, yeah, yeah, a friend of ours from church had uh, invited my wife over and she was over there with the kids and she was giving her a bunch of books uh, from when she had had her kids were younger and one of the books was uh, called baseball something about you know the, the rules and how it works and um, you know they were joking about that and I told my kids I said well you know when I was younger I didn't like to read that much but I had a few books about sports and uh, about baseball and I really liked to play baseball as a kid and so I was kind of interested in that and so I think just pushing them towards something that they have a natural interest in because it really just the, the benefits are tremendous throughout their life if they can grab a hold of reading. Yeah, that's good. So uh, I think there's a lot of good wisdom there. Yeah, perhaps a, a bad book to start off with. I actually recently read a book about the history of salt, and uh, I, yeah, I, I wish I had not used my time for that. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I think all, I th- I think a couple things are also just read often yourself. I mean, children follow us more than we care to realize, and and have books around your house. I think that is going to be something that that will impact. It. I've joked about you know the institutes in the crib, but uh, you know if books are around the house, if you know that you're a literary household, that's going that will often rub off on your kids. So. Uh, and, and, you know, read to and with your kids in a variety of ways. There's going to be different stages at different times. And definitely, uh, lastly, I'd say provide them really good books, like as, as soon as you can, and maybe discuss them. Actually, there's somebody in our church I know who, you know, he provides his daughter, you know, teen daughter, uh, lots of good books. He challenges her to read these good books a lot, and I think it's producing her a love of good reading, and they'll have discussions about some of these books. Uh, I think those are great examples of it. That's good. Now, how can Next Generation Ministries instill a reading culture? Should we uh, read out of the source every Sunday for an hour? <laughs> well, 
I mean, give it a try. Tell me how it goes. Um, I think you can feature books, um, give away books, um, promote and recommend good books because, I mean, you and I have talked about this and bemoaned this, but in Christian publishing and and as it relates to uh, young people, it's not all created equal. There's some stuff that's really not very good at all. And there's some stuff that's excellent. Um, I think you could even sell books. I mean, some churches will have a, a bookstall kind of thing. We have something like that that I, I we have not realized the full potential of it, um, but it's it's up and running. And so I think we can continue to to do that. But uh, and you can do that as far as with parents, but also with the kids. Um, and one thing that that we have done and. Um, uh, a friend and, and lady who serves with me in our children's ministry. She was doing this before I got here, but uh, she has a heart for the nation. She actually grew up as a missionary kid in Africa, um, and she had done a lot with GAs, Girls in Action, for those who don't know, uh, back in the day uh, when, when our church did that. And so she, I, I'm guessing some of these may have been, she donated these or something, but we have a lot of um, missions-related titles uh, that are, some are suitable for a little bit older kids, some are, you know, lots of pictures with words for really early readers, Um and so the kids can earn points if they will read uh, points. We have this store where they can uh, memorize scripture and do stuff like this. But uh, if they'll read it and then write something about it or little kids, they can like draw a picture related to it. Um, just trying to, to get it into their habits and instilling in them that, hey, this is something worth your time. Uh, what do you think? That's good. So, yeah, I think those are excellent ways. One of the things we do – uh, is for multiple ministries, whether it be the youth ministry or the family and children stuff, uh, we provide a book of the month that we publicly show and email to people. Uh, even in our newsletter, we you know try to promote a certain book every month. And I don't know how well that impacts people, but at least they see that book, and at least they maybe know that that's a good book to buy if they see it in a bookstore. Uh, so did you do the salt book for that one? Or? I did not do the salt book at all, so <laughs> no. I did a book on purity culture, though. I'm I'm featuring talking back to purity culture right now, now in one of the ministries, which is a great book. Uh, okay. Now, I, and I also think, like you mentioned, giveaway books and, and even referring to books. Like, you know, if you're a youth leader and a youth lesson, I mean, referring to other good books rather than just your own, I, I think can be really great. Uh, another thing that can be book studies, and we do this. We have kind of like a leadership. Uh, those that teens that kind of want to dive deeper can come to our home. And one of the things we do is we study a book together and, you know, just a nice book study. We just finished uh, uh, the, the, uh, the Unsaved Christian, and we're about to start a Puritan book, actually. I think that can be a really good way. Uh, and, uh, and even something that is also not anything is, and again, featuring the book, like you said, really even lining up rooms with books, uh, for kids to kind of, so parents see and so kids see books that are great recommended resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Now, should we talk a lot about how families should have family worship and read the Bible together? Uh, and that's more important than what we're talking about here. But should families read together beyond just the Bible? And if so, when are they too old for this kind of thing? I mean, in general, I think it's a really great idea. Again, not a necessity, um, but it can be a really beneficial thing and it can bring you together. And as far as the age, 
I don't know if they ever really outgrow it. I think it you just gauge your situation um, depending on what you may be reading and, and your kids. They, they may be interested to uh, all read a book together uh, or, hey, I'll, I'm going to read, then you read this, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I know many Christians that do incorporate this into some aspect of family worship, and I think it could be wise to regularly read some good resources beyond the Bible. We actually we don't have that as our family worship as much, but uh, perhaps you might benefit through working nightly through something like Pilgrim's Progress or through uh, Chronicles of Narnia. We've done that before. My wife's better at that kind of stuff than I am. Uh, and, you know, you've, these are kind of younger uh, people things that uh, – uh, Narnia is a kid's book. It's a great book, but it's a kid's book. Uh, but maybe you could graduate this into a reading hour for the family. I know of two different Christian leaders that have explained the benefits in their life that they have like an hour every day where everybody's reading, uh, you know, good stuff that benefits them. And they might be reading completely different things, but they're all in the living room and they're next to one another and they're reading. No tablets, no devices are out. Uh, maybe they allow mm. Kindles. I don't know. Uh, but that kind of thing I think could be really wise. It called habitat that, uh, you know, we, even if you pick your reading, we're going to, we're going to spend some time reading because that's important to us. That's good. What makes a book a good book for the Christian? Because not all books are good books for Christians, I assume you would think. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think you want to ask does it teach you true things? Does it help you see reality more accurately? Does it help you to see what's beautiful and uh, to understand human experience, maybe to empathize with others? I mean, there's a lot of good questions you could ask. Does it help? And you may not necessarily agree with everything in the book, whether it's a Christian-related book or otherwise, uh, and that's okay. It can still be a beneficial book to read and, and make use of in your life for the life of your mind and the life of your soul. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, those are some tests I think I would put to it. How about you? Yeah. So, uh, I'm mostly going to deal with books that are from a supposed Christian angle, uh, I think, but, uh, we'll talk about secular ones as well. But, uh, I think for Christian books, uh, that good Christian books, uh, give insight and perspective into God's word, uh, you know, help us understand God's word better. Do we shouldn't divorce these things like, you know, there's Bible reading and then there's book reading. Uh, bad books do the opposite then. Bad books contradict God's word or sometimes just as bad, uh, they treat God's word as really not enough that we need a new word from Jesus. Actually, probably like one of the most popular quote-unquote Christian books does this as like its basic premise is saying that we need a new word from Jesus. Uh, those are That's bad been a very books. profitable. Uh, it's like a cottage industry. Yeah, <laughs> I know. We probably went into the wrong line of work, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear the hear the word rumbling and the cash press beginning to work. Amen. <laughs> Good. So, uh, but you know, uh, good books also are going to exalt God, not man. I mean, they're going to lift high the name of Jesus, glorify God, rather than, you know, ma celebrating man in the way that, I mean, some supposed Christian books do. 
and, and I think, lastly, good books will help us delight in the written word. And this is going to give us some overlap with the, what we're going to talk about with secular books in a minute. Uh, I think there, that is a very real benefit of reading. You know, when there's, we see the beauty in the written word, that, that is something that is good for us. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Now, can Christians read secular books? Uh, uh, and related to that, what if the kids want to read Harry Potter, Ben? What? Uh, I guess I would say why Why not on the secular books? You would burn them if they read Harry Potter, though, right? <laughs> hey, you know, in Ephesus, they burn their magic books. Um, no, I, I would not have an in- inherent opposition to reading Harry Potter. I mean, I guess if my kid was flirting with witchcraft, then I may not go that route. But, um, I mean, I personally was never very interested in reading them growing up. And and I even then I didn't see why some people got so uptight about it, uh, because I realized it was fiction. And I mean, I had I didn't think that if I read it, I was going to suddenly become a warlock or something. Um, it seemed like many were concerned that it would would influence uh, young people that way. And I mean, let's face it, young people are impressionable and easily steered. But uh, I, I just that's not a I don't share that perspective. Uh, it's just not one that I'm, I'm just not drawn to it, but I, I would not be opposed to my kids reading it. But I don't, at this point, I don't think my kids are that interested. They probably don't know what Harry Potter is. But yeah, uh, but yeah I, I don't think we should just run from the world. I'm going to be discerning on um, what, especially for younger people, the kinds of things I would want them to read or not read. But I don't think, I mean, my, my children have read things by people who are not Christians, or as far as I know, they're not Christians. The, the book had nothing, it was not tied to uh, biblical Christianity, but that was okay. They were beneficial books for them to read. Um, I mean, I, I'm assuming you're not going to disagree sharply with me on this. No. What, what, what about the Harry Potter? <laughs> Did yeah. you read Harry Potter growing up? I read Harry Potter last year, every single one of them last year. Oh, okay. Well, you. I mean, you had a lot of time on your hands, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, locked up in your house. <laughs> I read him because of some of our teens like him. So uh, I was never a ab- opposing to read Harry Potter. So it was, you know, I actually I was not, you know, raised in that kind of setting. And I never understood the attitude of hating on Harry Potter. It was weird. And from people who were reading magic stuff in the Narnia books, you know, that was always weird to me. Uh, <laughs> but regardless. Regardless, so uh, I, I think absolutely we can read uh, secular books. Uh, even the Apostle Paul seemed to be versed in pagan literature to some degree or another. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we think what he does is wrong, we got a whole lot of problems ahead of us. Uh, and secular books uh, can be common, uh, common grace of God to enjoy. Uh, that Whether it be something to learn about, uh, I don't remember what kind of bug we were talking about, caterpillars, uh, or whether it be, you know, reading fiction it can be something that god and his common grace of this world allowed there to be beauty and beneficial stuff that we can like in this world actually i'm i'm honestly inclined to think that you know people might write novels in the new heavens new earth that we get to enjoy uh, but uh, and then secular books can even help us understand and love those who don't know jesus uh, even secular books that are like opposed to the Christian faith, they can help us kind of know where people that don't know Jesus are at. Uh, 
Uh, and what's fascinating to me is like they can do this in like ways where it's not even intending to write from that perspective. I mean, I read the, uh, I also read the, the beginning of this year. I read the Percy Jackson books, and you can tell, you know, there's little influence of the uh, that the writer had little little bit of Christian values, not not as much Christian values as even Harry Potter's author had, and then it bled through, and you can kind of understand where where people are and their knowledge of this world around them. That yeah, but the Harry Potter thing is just weird to me. And, and actually, I think for me, it's been a great thing because uh, so reading Harry Potter, I wish I had done it earlier. It's not my cup of tea. That's that fantasy's never been my thing. But it, it was an excellent set of books, like truly exceptional books. The Harry Potter books are, and it allowed me to benefit and get to know some of our teens that really, really love these Harry Potter books even more than I do. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, fantasy is just not. I, I've enjoyed the Narnia stories and that kind of thing. Anyway, so how can parents find good books for them or their children to read? I think there's a lot of good ways. I mean, one, and I don't know if this is the first place you should go, but it's a pervasive one. But just all over the internet, there are places that you can find recommendations and I think there are good places you can find recommendations whether it's a certain website or blog you read um, I, I've never really made use of this but I know of the site uh, and that's an app as well Goodreads um, here's one I mean some people may be down on Amazon or whatever but Amazon algorithms you know you're looking at a certain book on Amazon they'll show you what people who looked at and purchased that item also did. And so if you think what you're looking at is a good book, often they can be – I've found that to be actually somewhat reliable. Um, so if you're looking at, let's say, Desiring God by John Piper, probably the stuff that's going to show up down at you know, customers who looked at this also looked at, and it's not like Joel Osteen's you know, Your Best Life Now. Um, and so – you know, but read the reviews on Amazon and other places where you can give feedback, and people will be honest about what was in the book. Um, again, on Amazon, you can look inside the book and, and see some of the contents, get a sample. Um, but on a personal level, ask trusted, wise Christian friends, pastors, uh, folks like that who can give you uh, input and feedback on things. Uh, maybe authors that they're aware of that you weren't. And I've tried to do that at our church, just put different books that maybe they're not as mainstream um, as, you know, now we don't, we used to have a Lifeway store here in Augusta. Now no one has a Lifeway store anywhere. But um, the things that would necessarily be on the front shelf, that wasn't always what I was promoting. And, and that's no discredit to Lifeway. I mean, I think they sell some excellent things. They sell some stuff that, yeah, I, I wouldn't buy, recommend. But, um Anyway, I think that there, um, if we can get people, you know, in our churches to, to do that and spread it around, it can be a good thing. Um, I mean, where would you steer people for? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I would say, like you said, talk to pastors. I think, you know, one of the things pastors are paid to do is to read book, good Christian books legitimately so that they can lead you and point you to Jesus and even give you those resources. Uh, and Oftentimes, some of the best people to ask are healthy, godly pastors. Uh, I've seen so often, you know, parents looking for books for their kids, and they turn to social media first. And 
that can be a really bad idea because you can get some really <laughs> bad stuff that way. Uh, I would say go to you know healthy leader Christian leaders first. Uh, another mm-hmm. great resource is Westminster Seminary Bookstore wtsbooks.com and uh, it might be .org, but just Google WTS Books, which is uh, the bookstore of Westminster Theological Seminary, and they are like everything's like curated i mean they don't they don't put anything out, out there that is not you know something that's going to strongly uphold the the cores of the christian faith that is not going to be deeply beneficial i mean there's some books that they don't sell that i like but uh uh more or less if it's sold on that on that website it's going to be an exceptional uh a situa- exceptional book for your family and it's going to be helping a good cause as well so uh, and definitely re- read reviews, like Ben said, reviews from good people uh, tend to be a good sign uh, and vice versa. But and I don't just mean from friends like, you know, if you that if you see a book and Don D.A. Carson has been referred to uh, wrote one of the reviews online, that's probably a good sign of that book. If you see a Christian book and, you know, Joel Osteen wrote one of the uh, reviews, on it, like, <laughs> it's probably a bad sign of the book. So. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, you mentioned Don Carson. Uh, I heard him say one time he, he thought one of his functions in the body of Christ was to sort of be like a stomach, and he would take in and digest the things, and then take out what was useful. And you know, hey, here here's some things that you should know. You yeah. want to look at this? Nice, but yeah, he does a lot of reviews on books. Uh, but you know, I, I legitimately that can be a really helpful thing. I think. You know, God. I would hope godly men and women don't just put their names on things to get a paycheck, uh, but uh, and, and just look at who's kind of recommending a book. Uh, and the mm-hmm. last question, then, uh, kind of relating it to now, Ben, what are you reading now, and what is your favorite book? Oh, those are good questions. I, at the very moment, most of what I'm reading is more. Uh, biblical and theological Christian related. Just maybe two weeks ago, I finished reading this book called The American President uh, that was tracking the presidents from Teddy Roosevelt to Bill Clinton. And it didn't talk about their whole life, it just talked about their presidency. Uh, And then this other book that was kind of a sociological look at church attendance and church membership in America since the time of the colonies, and that was called The Churching of America. And that was I, I didn't read the whole thing. I read the parts of it that I felt like I needed to to get the get the gist. And it was interesting. I'm reading a parenting book called Start with the Heart. I'm teaching uh, a class, Sunday school class, right now on the church. What is the church? What does the church do? Those kinds of things. So I'm reading a uh, number of things related to that. Nine Marks has a lot of helpful resources along those lines. Uh, another book, kind of reading devotionally, but it's called The Things of Earth by Joe Rigney. I think I mentioned it recently. Yeah, I heard of it. Um, and so I found that helpful so far. Uh, it's a little little different at points than I thought, but um, I, I think it is – I think there's a lot of, of good stuff in there. Um, reading a book, some books about discipleship, deep discipleship, and Vine Project. And I'm trying to read fiction. I said earlier I'm not great at it, but I've been reading uh, Flannery O'Connor's short stories, which I – that was one of the few things I did like uh, in high school and in college. And I picked up uh, – a collection of the the whole whole body of her short stories at like a yard sale or somewhere, uh, like for two bucks. And so anyway, I've been trying to read a little bit. Uh, and I don't know if I have a favorite book. I've 
I've gone back to the book when people are big and God is small regularly. I don't know. I'd say that's my favorite. But, but you had mentioned about you know if you're struggling with an issue, um, to to take one that addresses that particular issue well, and and that is addresses the fear of man head on. And so I have found it helpful because that's something I deal with in my life. And so, um, but yeah, it's hard hard to name a favorite. How about you? Yeah, that's really good. So. Uh, for me right now, I'm reading a variety of books, as I often am. So I am reading, uh, I do a lot of audiobooks, and I do, I do a lot of formats. I do audiobook, I do, I do Kindle, and I do physical books. Uh, but if it's a narrative, I tend to do audiobook more often than not, uh, which we'll talk about more in another uh, a podcast. Yes, uh, we will. But, uh, Stay tuned. Yes. Yeah, so uh, right now I'm listening to Devil in the White City, which is a uh, that historical book about a uh, serial killer during the great uh, Chicago World Fair and just kind of the background of the Chicago World Fair. I was recommended by to me by somebody. I'm just kind of starting that. Uh, and I've been on Kindle. My Kindle book right now is Churchill Walking with Destiny, which is, a, is a, uh, I think, the largest single-volume biography of, of Winston Churchill. And then I just finished for my print book, uh, Good and Angry by David Paulison, uh, which was an excellent book about anger, which is something I struggle with uh, many times, and I think I probably will until I die, but may, hopefully less so. Uh, and then my favorite book, that's, that is, uh, with you, I'm trickier. I can't name one. I would say my three favorite books that, uh, of my Christian life, uh, that, you know, period. And one of these is not a Christian book, uh, but two are as my favorite, probably right up in my favorite, like all time, but it's a short one is the bruise read by Richard. I Sitz. thought you were going to say that. Yeah, I knew you <laughs> <laughs> great little book that's a comfort to our souls. Uh, I go back to that a lot. Uh, and then a newer one, uh, Rebe- uh, Rebecca McLaughlin's new book, Confronting Christianity, that came out like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Excellent book. Like just really thoughtful book and uh, I think reassures you in your faith as well as can be a great apologetic tool. I love that book now. And then uh, another book I also read last year uh, was Master of the Senate, which is a part of a uh, that the Years of Lyndon Johnson by Robert Caro. It's a five biography series. Each one's over a thousand pages, I believe, uh, on Lyndon Johnson. So it just covers him in the Senate for like fourteen hundred pages, and it is utterly fantastic. And I disagree with Lyndon Johnson on things. And I agree with him either way truly exceptional book so. wow that's you're like a lyndon johnson pro now yeah i've uh, i've actually over the past few years i read a full-length biography on every single president uh and now i've read multiple on about half of them so it's been fun nice so yeah actually you your interest in the president stuff kind of pushed me to read that uh that american president book i you didn't recommend it but i i saw it recommended another source and i was like oh that sounds interesting and so it was it was good anyhow so well it was good talking to you ben and i hope you get some good reading in today (laughs) well thank you yes enjoy enjoy your salt oh no you already finished it so i I hope you find another (laughs) herb book or something all right listeners uh enjoy this and get to reading there you go thank you for joining us for this episode of the theological family ministry podcast If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. 
All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.